Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com, brought to you in association with SavileRogue.com. That's right, a brand new sponsor for the Arscast. From here on, it's the people that bring you those beautiful cashmere football scarves, uh, which we gave away a few of before Christmas. You might remember, I've got one. It's the best scarf I ever got. I promise you, I'm not just saying that. And uh, I'm sure we will have some scarves to give away in Arscasts to come. Now, on this week's show, we have got a blog chat with the man from East Lower, in which uh, we discuss, in light of what's happened this week and Liverpool being taken over, we discuss uh, the possibility of something like that happening at Arsenal and maybe some of the effects that, that that might have on the club. As well as that, I'll be talking to Nigel Phillips from the Arsenal Supporters Trust, who can give us some information about uh, exactly how things are structured at Arsenal, what somebody who wants to take over the club might have to do, and what fans can do uh, if they want to get involved with that Supporters Trust. So that's coming up a little bit later on as well. We have got, as always, the man in the bar with another player history, Arsene Wenger. Hawkins will be here, and uh, we'll have your reaction and your emails uh, on that same subject about the possibility of Arsenal being taken over by a wealthy investor. So what's been happening since we spoke last? Well, uh, last Saturday, uh, we played against Middlesbrough and drew 1-1 in the circumstances, a good a good point. Um, it was a game, though, that we could very much have done with taking the three points from, given the fact that Liverpool uh, dropped points at home to Everton earlier that day. But the fact that we were reduced to 10 men and they scored a penalty, um, it showed great character to come back and, and draw 1-1. And it's something the team is becoming very, very good at. Um, this coming back and, and giving teams a lead and then dragging it back off them. How good will we be when we stop giving teams the lead? We're being too nice to these people. We need to go in front and stay in front. And as much as I love uh, equalizers and last-minute winners and things, I really, really love 4-0s and 5-0s and 6-1s and 7-2s and things like that. Um, it may not be as exciting, but, you know, it's it's quite enjoyable, really. Midweek was very, very quiet because of the internationals that were on. Luckily, I think all of our players came through unscathed, despite Henri playing 90 minutes. But as I said in the blog, 90 minutes might not do him any harm. Get some power back into those legs. Sescu we thought needed a rest when we saw him uh, last week at Middlesbrough. He only played 20 minutes during the week for Spain against England, so he should be fit and raring to go uh, on Sunday against Wigan. There haven't been really any stories breaking at all. It's been very quiet in terms of in terms of Arsenal news. So there's not really a huge amount left to say about what happened last week. The biggest story, football-wise, was, of course, the takeover of Liverpool. Now, they've been trying to get somebody to take over the club and invest in the club for, for quite some time. Uh, for at least 18 months now, there have been stories about people putting money into the club. This week, uh, they finally sold the club to George Gillett um, and Tom Hicks, two Americans, um, who came over and, and called Liverpool a franchise and, and the Liverpool Reds. Now we have a situation where three of the top four clubs in England are owned by uh, foreigners, so to speak. Uh, two American uh, people, or uh, consortia, and of course Abramovich at Chelsea. Uh, the obvious 
next target for a wealthy investor, somebody who wants to get involved in Premiership football, is, is Arsenal. This week on the blog chat, I talked to the man from eastlower.co.uk to find out what he thinks uh, of something like that happening to Arsenal and the effects that it might have on, on the club and the team, in particular, let's say, Arsene Wenger, who uh, very much enjoys the hands-off approach that the current Arsenal board take and what it might mean uh, in terms of selling players such as Thierry Henry. So without further ado, here is this week's blog chat. Okay, this week on the blog chat, uh, we welcome back the man from East Lower. Hello to you, sir. Hello there. Um, okay, it's been a while since we've spoken, and something I want to talk to you about, and, and you know, we try and keep things on, on the Arsecast quite lighthearted, but I think something, <laughs> well, we try, um, but I think something that, that uh, we should look at is the fact now, after what's happened with Liverpool during the week, we've got three of the top four teams now owned by uh, either Americans or uh, a Russian, in the case of Chelsea. Liverpool have spent about 18 months trying to sell the club to, to anybody that would have it. To the, uh, the guy Kraft, then there was Steve Morgan, then there was the Thai president, then there was the Dubai people, and now we sold it to the, the two Americans. What, what do you make of it? Well, firstly, on a slightly, off on a slight tangent, it really kind of annoys me that um, they keep going on about how they haven't had the same kind of money to spend as, as Arsenal. I mean, I just don't think that can be true. I mean, Arsenal have spent, uh, you know, over the last 10 years, a pretty average figure. And, uh, you know, I think Liverpool have spent um, a lot of money, but they've just spent it badly. So um, I don't accept that, that argument to start with. But um, as for whether Arsenal are going to be taken over, you know, it does, I have to say, fill me with dread. Um, but whether that's just me being, uh, you know, um, a little Englander, or whether um, uh, there's more to it. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't like the idea of it. Um, mainly because the way it seems to be going is that you know, they're, they're seeing it as purely a business thing, quite clearly. Um, and, um, you know, football is more than that. And, and you just can't guarantee that in five years' time the new Liverpool owners won't turn around and sell it to someone else who might not look after it. They might not look after it themselves. I mean, at least with people like Dean and Hillwood, you, you know, they might not be absolutely perfect, but they... They're Arsenal through and through, and that's what I like about Arsenal. It's, um, you know, it is the traditional club. So I hope it doesn't happen. Um, I think it might, though, in the long in the long term. Yeah, I mean, I think what you'll find is is uh, is people who will say, "Well, look, United now have been taken over, and they, you know, despite the fact that they were saddled allegedly with a mountain of debt, don't seem to have any problem spending money." Uh, Liverpool now have got these guys who are, I, I presume are going to inject you know a certain amount of money into the into the transfer market. Uh, as well as that, you've got uh, Chelsea inflating the price of players um, all over the place. Arsenal, I don't think when they started this project to build uh, the new stadium, in order to to lift the club to a new level in terms of the income that they could uh, generate could possibly have foreseen the fact that, you know, three of their biggest rivals would then, you know, get taken over by uh, these consortia. Um, mm. uh, and really, it has changed It has changed the playing field. I would be like... Oh, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, I would be like you and that it, it would be something that I really, really do not want to see and, and uh, I hope that it doesn't happen. But what um, what we have, I suppose, at Arsenal is a, is a club, um, you know, that has a, has a s significant debt and were somebody to come on board and and uh, and uh, offer to wipe that out, then I suppose that they have to look at it. Well, you you say that, but then like like you said before, the Glazers came in and they saddled, um, they bought it by 
um, landing the debt on the club. So, so they are massively in debt, and yet they spend you know, 18 million on, on Carrick, and they've got money to burn by all accounts. So, what I find slightly puzzling is that uh, we were told all along that the whole point of moving is that we're going to have loads of cash to spend, and you know that might well be the case, but you know it doesn't seem to be happening now. Whether that's just because Wenger doesn't like spending, or whether there really is no money, I'd, I'd be slightly concerned if there's no money. I mean, surely. We've got, you know, some of the biggest match day incomes in Europe, as they tell us. And um, in which case, we, we shouldn't be having too many problems with money. Yeah, I think uh, the, the whole area of whether there's transfer money to spend or not is, is a bit up in the air. I remember Amy Lawrence saying on another, uh, another Icecast a while back that uh, it might be a situation that we had to sell somebody if you wanted to buy somebody in, in January of this year. Uh, but at the same time, we spent, you know, close on 20 million last January. We mm. spent money during the summer as well. So, and you read quotes from, from Peter Hillwood and from Edelman saying that, look, there is money there for the manager to spend, but he hasn't come to us and said, I want to spend the money. He's obviously gone down the road of, of youth. Um, one of the worries, I suppose, in terms of a takeover would be the fact that I think what Arsene likes about Arsenal is that everything is left to him in terms of in terms of the the footballing side of things, and that goes from uh, you know we we have the stories of him designing the 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 training facility exactly everything you know down to the finest detail uh, from from the dressing rooms to the team to the youth system is run by him without interference from from a board who with great credit to them have have sat back and allowed him to do what he wanted you know with the yeah. club another owner despite what they might say when they come in, because I can remember Abramovich saying when he started at, at Chelsea, no, I'm not going to have anything to do with the football side of things. I want to appoint people who know uh, more about the game than I do. I, this is not going to be something that, that, that I'm going to get involved in. And obviously we've had last summer uh, Shevchenko, certainly, and possibly Balak, two transfers that, that you know, were the, were the chairman's transfers and not, uh, not the managers. There is that danger, isn't there, that if somebody came in... I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'd be worried about that. I mean, I think there are lots of dangers. Um, that is a massive one. It's clearly beginning to happen a bit at, at, at Chelsea, um, if, if, you read, if you believe what you read anyway. I mean, there are lots of people with interest in, in team selection by, by all accounts, so you wouldn't want that to happen. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think... I, I like the status quo, um, not not the band. I, I don't like the status quo. Sure. But I, I like uh, the, the way things are now. And um, I, I just, I would worry a lot, because at least you know what you get with Hillwood and, and, uh, and with Edelman, and you just you would never know. And you know, they can say all they like about respecting the history of the club and X, Y, Z, and blah, 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 but you just you can't guarantee that's what they're going to do, because ultimately all of these people, it's not a coincidence. It's happened all in the last... Um, year or two, it is because they see it as a way to make money. There's, you know, they're not coming in as some philanthropic people to put hundreds of millions of dollars or pounds or in, in, into the club for no reason. So it is a money-making venture for them. That's what they see it as. In in that regard, then, whereas somebody like, uh, for example, Thierry Henry under Arsene Wenger and under the current system, you know, was was unsellable. Um, he is an asset uh, to the team. Somebody who, who runs the club as a business is going to see him, okay, somebody who's a great player, but also somebody who could bring in £40 million. Yeah, I mean, I think Thierry Henry, he's 30 in August. I think he's sellable. I mean, let's be frank. I think, I, I think um, it's got to that stage of his career where if, you know, if he, I think they, they could sell him. I'm not saying they would or they'd even want to, but 
it's not like he's 25 anymore. So uh, it could happen. I mean, you know, um, and I'm not saying that Arsenal don't, uh, that the directors don't run Arsenal as a business, because of course they do, and they're probably doing a really good job. So uh, I, I think um, it could be quite an interesting summer uh, you know, with, with Barca Tierra. I, mean, I think he'll stay personally, but I don't think he's unsellable, put it that way. Okay, but I mean, what I was trying to say was that, you know, certainly two, three years ago, the, the notion of selling him would just have been uh, ridiculous. It just would not have happened. Uh, no, true, but the notion of selling Ashley Cole two or three years ago w- was ridiculous too. So, uh, you know, a year is a long time, isn't it? And um, I agree with you there. I mean, I think he was the... I think the interesting thing is when he was injured this time, the team did really well without him. And so whilst he's absolutely crucial to us still, I think he's not so crucial as he would have been maybe a, a year or two ago. No, that's but I'm not advocating selling him. You know, I think he's a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong, but um, I don't think it's beyond the realm of the possibility that uh, that, uh, that um, they'd consider something. Yeah. This coming summer, I wouldn't see it happening this summer. I don't think. No. I don't think. No, there's still. Um... But you've got to agree that it's more like you know, compared to last summer when you know he, or perhaps not last summer because it was up in the air. But the one before that, you know, you could see it more likely to happen this year. Than well, absolutely. Years ago. Well, I mean, there was certain well. What happened sort of last summer, um, you know, when you lose Perez, Bergkamp, Cole, Campbell, you can't lose Henri on top of that. You just can't. No, um, no. Whereas I'm not sure we've got anybody that could really take his place, to be fair. Um, that, that's the only thing, unless the, the money that you get uh, from Henri is going to be in, reinvested in, in somebody young like uh, Torres, for example, that kind of a player, then I don't see the, I don't see the benefit of, of selling him at all. No, and also he's, he's one of the big marketing uh, money makers now, isn't he, along with sort of, you know, the Tiger Woods and the, um, other people of this world. He, he's, one of the big, he's one of the big boys in that regard. Yeah. So I think, um, I think he's worth a lot to Arsenal, not just on the pitch. Obviously, he's, uh, you know, we don't need to keep talking about how good a footballer he is, but I think off the pitch he's worth a hell of a lot as well. So, I mean, I do agree. I think it would be a massive surprise if anything happened this summer. But I wouldn't. It's less. It would be less of a surprise than it would have been, let's say, two years ago. Sure. Okay. Um, leaving that aside and trying to come back to things uh, slightly more uh, light-hearted. Uh-huh. On Sunday we play Wigan, which is generally quite a Terry Wigan. Yeah. Terry Wigan. <laughs> okay. The last day. The last time we played them uh, was the the final day of last season, the last ever game at, at Highbury, and uh, they gave us a bit of a scare, didn't they? But I don't think they're the same team this season as as they were. No, they they, they something seems to have happened, doesn't it? I'm not sure what it is, but um, uh, whether it's um, sort of second season uh, syndrome, whatever that might be, I don't know. They, they're having a massive rut there. They're sort of eight or nine games without uh, without winning, so. You would hope that um, you would hope that we'll uh, put them to the sword, but you know it, it's um, it, it all depends on who comes back from you know more knackered than when they left this week, and you know I hate international week, when it, especially when it's friendlies like this. So, um, uh, oh, I hope so. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? You'd put your money on it, Bob. Okay, quick word on Theo Walcott. How do you see? Um, obviously, he came in, started very well. Uh, you know, started the season very well and, and was quite productive. But mm. you know. Um, what do you think could, could sort of kickstart his season? I don't think he needs a rest at all. I just think people need to give him a break. I mean, sometimes we expect too much of our players. He's 17, still only 17, you know. There aren't very many other players, with the exception of Fabregas, who clearly is a, a superhuman. Um, but there aren't many other players of that age who'd be in the first team, full stop. So I think he can be quite pleased with his progress. I think we can. He's been 
good at times, but maybe we're expecting much of him, and he should just, um, uh, you know, just support him at the moment. If he if he was still putting in uh, sort of hot and cold performances when he's 21, 22, then maybe you start questioning him. But I mean, he's 17. I, I just think he needs a break. I'll go along with that. I'll go along with that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. Um, you are welcome. We shall talk to you again soon, sir. Yeah, we'll do. Hope so. All right. Cheers. Thank you very much to the man from East Lower for his uh, blog chatting skills. He'll be back on another uh, Arscast very soon, and we'll have another uh, blog chat on next week's Arscast. Uh, a little bit later on, I'll be talking to Nigel Phillips from the Arsenal Supporters Trust, and he'll give us a bit more information about what that particular group does, about how things stand at Arsenal, and, and maybe what uh, somebody like Sheikh Mohammed, if, if they want to come in and buy the club, what would they have to do to get control of Arsenal? That's coming a little bit later on. Now, on Thursday morning, I asked you to email your thoughts on whether or not Arsenal should resist a takeover. Would a takeover be good for us? Would we be uh, remiss in not taking a big investment given the fact the club has uh, a large debt having built the new stadium? So some of your reactions and some of the emails um, that you sent in, I'll, I'll read those out now. And there were quite a wide mix of, uh, of viewpoints on this particular one. Uh, I think we should hold on to tradition and stay completely home-owned, says Jude in Nigeria. Uh, Toby says we should fight them on the pitch. We should fight them on the all-seater and rather comfortable and spacious terraces. We should fight them in the tunnel and around the grove. We should never sell up. Kevin says, I think we should sell up to a takeover. If Roman had have bought Arsenal, uh, think how much better we would be. If you gave Wenger a checkbook that big, we would be truly invincible. However, even if we did have loads of money, I don't think Arsene would buy stupid like Chelsea. I think we need the money to back us up so we don't disappear outside the top four. Richard in Hemel Hempstead says, I'd be utterly against it. These, take these takeovers are not good for football, no matter what the fans of clubs affected will try and tell you. Phil Lloyd says there will be a business cycle movement and the wealth will move on. It will take some time, but stability and prudence in the boardroom is boring but reassuring. You can say that the Arsenal board are what we deserve and are steeped in tradition but with a modern relevance and a bravery illustrated by their vision. They are the board we deserve. Michael says... Why is everyone panicking about teams, uh, about teams being sold off or bought? The only owner who falls into the category of being a patron uh, is Roman Abramovich at Chelsea. He's the only one who appears to be enough of a fan to run his club as a hobby and lose money on it. The rest are businessmen who have bought very expensive assets and, will in, and intend to make these assets work for them. The hysteria over these big money owners coming in is such complete crap. Rob Cheshire says, I would prefer us to remain family-owned, but I suspect that sooner or later we'll be sold. Either way, I don't think uh, things will change dramatically. Uh, Tim Barrett said, if DIC want to invest some money in the club, I'm sure we'll gratefully receive it, as long as control of the club is not surrendered. John Wilson says, for as long as Arsene Wenger remains our manager, we'll be, able to, we'll be able to compete with clubs with billionaire owners. He'll always find and develop the most promising youngsters, and in return, those youngsters know that at Arsenal, though the money may not be as good as at Chelsea or even Villa, they will get the best development and will be given their chance to shine when the time is right. Angus says, uh, what I want to know is why all these people doing business with English clubs are foreign. Where are all the generous, rich English businessmen? And does it make a difference where they're from? Simon says, 
Uh, these investors aren't crazy, though, unlike the Russian. Uh, he's talking about the Liverpool ones and will spend carefully. He says, as long as Arsenal can compete on a revenue level with United and Arsenal, they won't get left behind. However, Arsenal have two disadvantages. Firstly, our ground has cost nigh on £400 million, whereas Liverpool's will be less than half that. And second, we got tied into some very long-term sponsorship deals that won't look too clever in a couple of years' time. Paul Edmund says, yes, we could do with the investment if it means we have to if we have to compete to keep our rifle place in the top two. But on the downside, we'll get the Arabs who didn't get Liverpool. So that's like being second best to the cunting Scousers. Um, fair enough. DBK says it will inevitably happen that the Gunners are taken over by a rich company or individual. The issue is when it happens, and it definitely will. Seems very sure. What will Arsene do? Are we more than Arsene's club or can we stand firm without the special abilities that he brings? Richard B. says, I would much rather have a club run by lifelong Arsenal fans who know the tradition and history of the club and who are interested in the long-term future of the club. Hatchet says, It's the fact that the Hillwoods and David Dean's sole motivation is not the pursuit of profit, but to secure the future of the club and move us into the next phase of our history. Somebody who asks not to be named because of connections with Arsenal says that, I can't really see that many positives now that I think about it, except that if Wenger wants to buy somebody, he can. The club is in no financial danger. We aren't going to have the Grove repossessed and hauled away down Holloway Road. Players aren't going to leave because we can't pay their wages. I think that Arsenal is currently undervalued. It wouldn't take much for someone to stump up the 450 million, then wait a short while and sell it to six or sell it for six or 700 million to some clueless Russian dolt who has more radioactivity in him than Marie Curie. Dave in the US says, if you want the best team in the world, you can't limit yourself in any way. I think Arsene Wenger knows this, and that's why we have the best team in the world, even though there are only two players that play with any regularity from England on the squad. Fact of the matter is that I see national limitations as being somewhat xenophobic. Uh, we have Derek and Brandt with more or less the same comment here, saying that I find it a bit ironic that Arsenal is uh, viewed negatively as a foreign club from a player perspective, in that there's not enough English players, but no one looks negatively on the other three of the big four for being owned and essentially run by foreigners, which is a good point. And finally, Neil says, Sheikh Mohammed would be an ideal owner in that he's loaded, will continue to be loaded for the foreseeable future, and is unlikely to radically change anything about the club. He'd be better than any of the, uh, the Americans whose only interest is in making money. I'd see him as not unlike a lot of footy directors in the past, there to provide financial support only and keep him out of footballing matters. Uh, I doubt he'd want to run things in the same hands-on way as Roman, so I suppose it will depend depend on who he appointed to the board. So there you go. Thank you for uh, all your emails uh, today. Sorry if I didn't get a chance to read out yours, but there were just so many of them. A real cross-section of opinion there. Um, it's something that could prove very uh, divisive. I think there are people that, that look on uh, the club being taken over as uh, what would be maybe the last straw for them in terms of the way the game has gone. Other people will say, look, you, you don't have any choice. You either embrace what's happening at the moment or you get left behind. Um, it's one of those things that's uh, going to cause debate up and down the country and as more clubs and I'm sure more premiership clubs are going to fall out of English ownership I think this is going to become a, a bigger and bigger issue anyway moving away from that slightly uh, just for the time being as somebody who always has a strong opinion on things here's Arsene Wenger Hawkins hello wasn't it funny to see Liverpool being bought by Americans this week do you remember how much they left at Man United when they got bought by that bloke who looks like a troll ah hey Come on, la, they do do that there, don't they? Just because their new owners don't look like ginger horses doesn't make them any less big fat wankers, though. What does a man who owns the ice hockey team know about football? Nothing, that's what. 
He might know something about IQ, which is, let's face it, a girl's game played by girls. Just because you put it on ice and let people thump each other doesn't mean it's not a fucking girl's game. What next? Will we have a baseball team owner? Perhaps Donald Rumsfeld will become the new owner of Balton One. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. There is a pack of cunts owned by a complete cunt. It's rather fitty. I'm not worried about Arsenal though. In 1985 I tried to buy Arsenal. I had a tremendous package sorted out. The club would be rich and able to buy new players and there would have been a top-class manager put in place who would have won us lots of trophies, at least three European Cups. I saw into the future. So I met with Peter Hillwood and we had lunch in the Ivy. What a very interesting man he was. Full of great stories and always ready to fill your glass with some more 1958 Chateau Lafitte. Have another drink, Arson Wenger Hawkins, he'd say. Don't mind if I do, Mr. Hillwood, I'd reply. Oh, call me Lionel. I like to be called Lionel. Bottoms up, Lionel. I had a great time. Too great a time. That Hillwood man got me so drunk I signed over half my money for one share in the club. He bought himself a new set of golf clubs and I spent the rest of the evening in Stringfellows getting lap dances on the lap I haven't felt for so many years. So don't worry. Arsenal is run by canny people. If the shakes and the American sports billionaires come Nike, old Lionel will bring them out, get the cunts completely pissed, then pickpocket the fuckers. Oh yes. Thank you, Arsene Wenger Hawkins. He will be back with more madcap mechanical voice action next week on the Arscast, uh, brought to you by SavileRogue.com. Now then, uh, continuing the theme, 
um, of uh, takeover and after what's happened with Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Villa, West Ham, etc., etc. A lot of people are afraid of, of foreign owners and of somebody coming into Arsenal and buying the club. I spoke yesterday to Nigel Phillips from the Arsenal Supporters Trust, and his information is very interesting. He tells us um, what somebody would actually need to do uh, to take over Arsenal if they wanted to come in and buy the club who would they need to buy shares from where would they get those shares how many shares would they need and whether or not it's a realistic possibility even if you are Sheikh Mohammed and um, so here's uh, another blog chat with Nigel Phillips from the Arsenal Supporters Trust now I'm talking to Nigel Phillips from the Arsenal Supporters Trust hi Nigel hi hi um Okay, we're we're discussing the the uh, the possibility of of a takeover of Arsenal, given the fact that we now have a situation where three of the top four clubs uh, in England are foreign owned, and three, well, two in particular, obviously Liverpool and Manchester United, two clubs with, with great history and uh, um, in the game in England. Um, people are going to be uh, concerned that the obvious target, the next obvious target, is is Arsenal. Um, what is uh, the lay of the land uh, at the moment and, and what would somebody have to do, for example, Sheikh Mohammed, what would he have to do if he wanted to take over Arsenal now? Well, I think the, the first thing to say is that, um, I mean, Arsenal are clearly in a very different situation to Liverpool, Manchester United and Chelsea in terms of the takeover in the fact that at Liverpool and Chelsea, the, the buyer just had to deal with one person. So they dealt with Ken, Ken Bates and his group of people, his investors from overseas and wherever and at Liverpool they've got control by doing a deal with David Moores who owns just over 50% of the club at Arsenal we've got three shareholders who collectively own um, 55% of Arsenal so that's Danny Fisman with 25% Lady Nina Bracewell-Smith who owns 16% and David Dean who owns just under 15% so if someone actually wanted to take control of Arsenal they are going to have to get two or three different parties on board at the same time to say, come on, sell your shares to me. Now, everyone knows that ITV own 10% of Arsenal, and those shares are available for anyone who's got the rights or the money. And ITV wants a premium to the current market price. So if someone's out there has got close to £40 million, they could come and buy 10% of Arsenal tomorrow. Does that give them any control or any influence at Arsenal whatsoever? No, it doesn't, and it probably doesn't even give them a board position because ITV don't have a board director. They have a board observer, so they're, they're a non-voting shareholder. So for £40 million, you get 10%. You don't get any dividends in Arsenal. They haven't paid a dividend since the 1974-75 season. So we've got to really think what are those medium-term objectives of the, the, three, sharehold, the three major shareholders and what are their motives? Why are they holding... Would they sell? Would they sell at any price? So that, that's the big unknown. Now, everyone's got their own views on, on Danny, Lady Nina and, and David Dean, but are they all moving in the same direction? Could they all be pushed? Um, and that's, that's the big question. That's what we don't know. Um, I, I think, um, and I'm not sure whether this is something you can confirm or deny, but certainly there've been, there's been talk uh, that one of those three uh, would not be averse to, to selling their share in Arsenal. Well, I think, um, I mean, they're all coming from slightly different positions, how they've come into Arsenal. Danny clearly is a, a very, very wealthy individual, um, seriously wealthy, and his personal stake in Arsenal 
doesn't make a material difference to his wealth or not. So if he would have said a 25% in Arsenal, would it change his life? Not one jot. And, and he's, I see him as the sort of David Moores of Arsenal in the fact he's been coming to the ground for over 50 years. He's a big supporter. He's never taken a penny out of the club. He gets paid as a non-executive director, so he gets £15,000 a year for his expenses. Um, so I don't think he it would make any difference to him. And he's, he's done all the work. They've got the ground sorted out. David Dean, as we know, has been there for um, when he came in in 1983. He was the majority shareholder. He got up to 42% at one stage. And then he brought Danny in as a partner in 1991. And then Danny has progressively bought David Dean's shares from him. David Dean is a big wheeler and dealer in all levels of football. Massive, massive Arsenal fan and hugely close to Arsene Wenger. But my suspicion is that most of David's wealth, and that is substantial, is tied up in Arsenal. Would it make a difference to him? Would, he, would his influence in Arsenal change if he weren't owning 15% as he did at the moment? I can't answer that for you. Yeah. Lady Nina was 16%. She is a, um, by marriage, she is a, um, a descendant of the Bracewell Smith family, obviously. Um, she's only 55, and she, the shares are in her sole name, having transferred them to her sole name from her husband, Sir Charles, who is the grandson of Bracewell Smith. Now, the, Arsenal brought her onto the board when that share transfer went through from their joint names into her sole name. And once again, I can't tell you what her medium or long-term term aims are. What would it cost to buy Arsenal? Um, Manchester United were bought for just under £800 million, um, and they had no debt with them. So all that £790 million which was paid by Glazier has gone to previous shareholders in Manchester United. Roman Abramovich bought Chelsea for £140 million, of which £60 million went for the equity or the shares which were owned by Ken Bates and his cronies. The other £80 million took care of their long-term debt they had in place, which was for stadium refinancing, what have you. So that was £140 there. For Liverpool, the figures they're talking about, they're £175 million for the shares, and then they're taking care of another sort of £50 million of the existing debt. What we don't know is what has actually been pledged for new, genuine new investment in the club in terms of building the ground and Rafa's transfer fees. We're talking about maybe 200, 250 to get the overall deal to 450, 475. If you wanted to buy every Arsenal share in issue, currently those shares are worth 310 million pounds. And then there's another 300 million of debt on the club at the moment, which is related to the stadium financing and also the redevelopment of, of Highbury. So you could say Manchester United was sold for £800 million. Someone to get control of Arsenal now would at least have to be £600 million, and probably substantially more, because if, you, if you're looking to gain control of something, then you've clearly got to pay a premium from the current market price. So, I mean, how, how is the Arsenal business model different from the Manchester United business model? Now the new stadium is working and the revenue streams are very different to what they were before. 
I know this sounds all very businessy, but unless you're Roman Abramovich and you just want a trophy asset, everyone else coming into football, whether they be the Icelanders at West Ham or the, the U.S. guys at um, Manchester United or Lerner at Villa or even the, the Dubai International Capital, they're all looking at it as some sort of investment. They're wanting something back out of it. They're not just throwing the money in there thinking it's a great idea. So the, um, the situation with Arsenal, as far as I can see, is it's a pretty full price at the moment. And whilst the debt's going to get repaid from the, from the earnings from the new stadium, one would expect as that debt goes down, then the equity price goes up. So that sort of overall club value of the $600 million I talk at the moment, is, is, well, I think it's a huge figure. And do you think that can go to 800 million or a billion, or are we getting towards the top of where the football football tree is? If someone were to manage to get control, then they would be taking. They, I assume, they would want to take some revenue out of Arsenal, which, if it weren't coming out of Arsenal, it would be invested back into Arsenal. So, how could a shareholder genuinely say, "I think this is a good idea to sell my shares now"? knowing that someone's going to be taking something out of the club where at the moment it's going to be invested into it. Because the thing people forget about Manchester United, and their figures came out a couple of weeks ago and it shows they make 30 million profit, that's marvellous. But on, what they don't show is there's 700 million of debt out there, which in the last 12 months cost 60 million to service, which is double the profit that the club are making. So yes, they might be left and right hands type of transactions, Glazier has borrowed money to buy Manchester United, and it's the, man- the profits from Manchester United which are paying off that Glazier incurred debt. And the only way he can clear that is by eventually selling the club for, let's say, 850 or 900 million, clearing off the debt, and he'll take 100 million out of it. So you think that's so- what? That's what his plan is, you know. Obviously, absolutely. Long term, long term, he's not there to build a United side. He's not there to uh, to do anything other than make a make a get a return on on the investment he's already made. I've I've not heard any warm words from him in terms of we love the club, we love the history, we love the franchise, we love all that type of stuff. He's pure and simple out to make the money, and I think the way he's running it will prove that's exactly what he is doing. Also, the the, um, the Arab investors who were looking at Liverpool, that into that seven-page internal note which got circulated to, I think it was the BBC, Mahir Bose, was saying, well, we have a seven-year exit strategy, so we're going to buy the club, we're going to build the new stadium, we're going to up the revenues, and then in seven or eight years' time, we've got a, something which they've bought for 450 could be worth 650 So they, they were looking at the exit strategy even before they came in. Okay, so it's really a case that even if Sheikh Mohammed was to come along and plough a big, huge amount of money into Arsenal, you know, they're looking long-term, long-term at then selling it off again. So what you'll find is that, you know, clubs are being, you know, turned over and traded every seven, ten years, you know, once, once people are making their investments back. I, I think that scenario is, is wholly realistic if the values keep on going. Now, I think we've all got our views that, the pips are being squeezed so much out of the supporters in terms of ticket prices. The corporate money is clearly there. The TV money deals they're getting for the next three years are phenomenal. But can those levels of growth be, can they be projected for the next five years? Hmm. Um, it's, it's your personal view about how, how big the, the FA 
Premier League can become. Okay, Nigel, tell, tell me quickly about the Arsenal Supporters Trust, um, you know, about what, what you do, what the aims are, and, and um, how people can get more information. Well, the principal aim of the Supporters Trust is, is not to take over the club, obviously. It's not to change the way it's run. We think it's been run well. It is to build an infrastructure now for the potential event when something is happening, which we're not saying we're going to disagree with because we're not anti-change per se, but we want the supporters to be a voice in that, in that process. We want the potential buyer to have to sit down with representatives of the supporters and say, this is what our plans are for your club. They are purely custodians of the club. And I, mean, I think a lot of people think that, that we own it emotionally, morally, etc., but we don't economically own it. Okay, and what the Supporters Trust has been doing is it's, it's open to everyone. It costs £2 a month, £24 a year to be a member. We've got members who currently speak for over uh, £5 million worth of Arsenal shares. So it's small. It's, um, it's about 1.5% of the shareholders. But what we really want to do is get to the stage where we could say that the Supporters Trust represents 10% of Arsenal. And why is 10% important? The reason it's important is what, was, what Malcolm Glazier had to do, once he bought his first lot of shares and he got to over 50% of Manchester United, he's then in control. When he gets to 75% ownership, he's in total control. He can make every decision and pass it himself. But what all these guys, and this is the same for Randy Lerner at Villa, what they want to do is get 90% control of the club and then they can delist it, they can take it private, and they can do exactly what they want to do. Now, when I say we want the supporters' trust to try and aim for that 10%, there aren't a lot of shares we, we can actually go for. Unless we've got David Dean to join or something like that, then we, we are going to about 1,200 different shareholders of Arsenal. There's only 1,600 shareholders. And going to those sort of 1,200 people and saying, join the supporters' trust, you don't have to transfer your shares. What we're wanting to do is say we are representative or an umbrella organisation for those people. And all these people own one, two, four shares or whatever. So that's on one side with the existing shareholders. Only half our members are shareholders. The other half are regular supporters who are contributing subscription money. And when we have enough money, we buy a share in the club. So the Supporters Trust at the moment owns three shares in Arsenal. Well, three shares, big deal, £15,000, but that's the way it's actually going. You may have seen that uh, we badgered the club to issue what we determined was the orphan share. There was one share which had been authorised but unissued, and that at the last club AGM in October was voted on and was transferred across to the Supporters Trust. And that shows the sort of level of dialogue we are having in the club. They don't think we're... A, a rogue element trying to destabilise anything. But still, there's a long, long way to go in what we're trying to do. OK, there's a website, isn't it? It's arsenaltrust.org. Arsenaltrust.org. There are only 62,000 shares in issue, so it's roughly one share per person at the new stadium. But they're very tightly held. The directors and their close family own about 67% of Arsenal. ITV own 10% of Arsenal. There's a lot of shares owned in nominee names, so you don't actually know who the beneficiary owners are, but there are professional investors who have been buying 1%, 3% when they become available, 
on the basis of they think it's a good investment, they think something's going to happen. The other thing we, we are working, well, we're talking to the club about is setting up some sort of share-save scheme. And the idea behind the share-save scheme is that supporters can contribute whatever they want to on a monthly basis. So this isn't subscriptions to run the supporters' trust. This is their money going into a savings account, which collectively, when there's enough, goes to buy shares. So whoever contributes whatever, they would then own a proportion of the share. The difficulty is that each share is currently trading at about £5,000. So if, if anyone's got £5,000, they want to buy a share, get in contact with the Supporters Trust and we can, we can get you a share in Arsenal. But if you wanted to say £10 a month or £25 a month, when we get this share save scheme up and running, the idea is that collectively we can, we can move together a lot faster than we're doing on an individual basis. Okay, brilliant. Nigel, we have to leave it there because that's so much information. Thanks a million for taking the time uh, to talk to me today. Excellent. And if anyone wants to get in touch, then, then please do look at the website and we'll be delighted from, to hear from you. Thank you very much to Nigel Phillips from the Arsenal Supporters Trust for taking the time to talk to me yesterday. Um, hopefully that will put people's minds at ease a little bit. It's not as easy as just coming in, clicking your fingers and buying Arsenal Football Club. Uh, remember, if you want to get involved with the Arsenal Supporters Trust, go to www.arsenaltrust.org and you'll find all the information on there, including contact details, how to join up and uh, more information about what exactly it is that they do. Now, after all that serious information, uh, it's time to make things a little bit more lighthearted. Here is the man in the bar with another player history. Ah, there you are again. What? No. I, 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 stop, no. I did not dye my hair. I just woke up one morning and there it was, all black again. It was lovely. The missus thinks it's great altogether, so she does. And speaking of people with funny hair, this week I'm talking to you about really young how many people thought Willie was a tremendously good name for him because he played for Tottenham Hotspurs and Willie is another name for a penis. But that all changed in 1977 when he joined Arsenal for the massive fee of £80,000. Enormous money back then it was. Back then for that kind of money you could buy a mansion, two Ferraris in Ireland and a small planet. And we got Willie Young, but you never mind. Anyway, he was a big ginger centre half and he was from Scotland. You know my main problem with Scotland is is all the people that think they can do an impression of Sean Connery and they can't. They think if they go, yes, money, penny. They can sound like Sean Connery. Well, you don't. You just sound like a fucking cunt trying to sound like Sean Connery. So shut your fucking hole. But I digress. We'll come back to Willie Young and uh, the flame-haired wonder his finest moment was in the 1980 Cup Final against West Ham, which we lost 1-0, sadly. Fucking Trevor Brookenock. One. That particular day, West Ham were playing a young lad who was only 11 years old called Paul Allen, who was Clive Allen's uh, cousin, I think he was, which obviously makes him a wanker. Runs in the family, you see. But anyway, there we were, 1-0 down, going up for the winner, trying to find the winner, and he went clean through on goal. He was on his own, about to cover himself in glory to make the game safe, and in steamed Willie Young from behind and fucking kicked the legs out from underneath him, sent him about eight feet up in the air and stopped him scoring the goal. Yellow card for Willie. Ha <laughs> ha! 
I think after that they invented the professional foul, the red card for the professional foul. Certainly the greatest foul I've ever seen in my entire life. So well done to you, Willie Young. You'll always be remembered for that. After Arsenal, he went and joined Nottingham Forest, and then he played for Norwich, and then he retired. Nowadays, Willie runs a sanctuary for ginger people on the Orkney Islands, the only place that'll have them. The man in the bar will be back with another player history uh, next week, of course. And now then, that's just about it for this week's Irishcast. The final thing, as always, is our bet of the week, thanks to bluesquare.com. That's www.bluesq.com. If you don't have an account with them yet, if you click on the banner on the right-hand side of the Irish blog homepage, sign up and make the bet of the week. And every so often, when you make a bet or two, Irish blog gets uh, a couple of quid. Helps pay for the server. So if you could do that, that would be brilliant. Uh, this week, Simon Wolf says, despite being in a good run of form, Arsenal still keep conceding the first goal at Ashburton Grove. This weekend against Wigan, you can back the Gunners to concede the first goal, but come back to win the game at 8-1. to Considering the way our season's gone, that really is not a bad bet. So www.bluesq.com That's it for another Arscast. Another one next week. Enjoy the weekend and talk to you then. Bye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.